0: Hey y'all, just a quick heads up, we did run into some technical difficulties when recording this episode, and as a result, uh, my audio does sound a little washed out. Uh, just for the first 20 minutes or so, I did all I could to clean it up, um, and like I said, it's only for the first part of the podcast, everything following that uh, does sound crisp. Uh, so thanks for understanding, uh, and let's get into it. More short hops and tall tales coming at you in three, two,
1: one. Well, it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game.
0: Welcome back to Short Hops and Tall Tales, a pictureless podcast highlighting the weird, funny, and bizarre elements of baseball that make America's pastime special. I'm thrilled to be back again with Brandon Riddle, as we are all set to give you another uh, episode just jam-packed full of of good baseball content and believe it or not brandon this is episode number 28
2: 28 and and i think this is the first uh show where we don't actually have live baseball being played that week (laughs) we're in the off season now baby because now we're in the off season which is the longest season of all the seasons also the worst season yes the longest and the worst the gods are cruel in just that way But uh, we're not cruel. This is going to be a fun little episode. we got some fun topics going on. Uh, We're going to be talking about the big news in baseball this week. Uh, Kind of put it in some retrospective. Pocket full of posies, of course, with the retirement (laughs) of one Buster Posey. Talking about him. Nicely done with the the wordplay there. You that's, know, that's I, good.
0: I put that in the notes and then next to it, I, I, you know, I just was expecting for, for you to either just, just roast me for it, but, but I guess we're going with it.
2: <laughs> you, we've done this long enough. You should know I yeah, would love pocket full of fair. posies. That's fair. That's, <laughs> fair. that's fair. Uh, and after that, of course, we got a pickle jar and then home sweet home talking about weird stuff in baseball stadiums.
0: All right. That sounds like a great, uh, and, and I'd like to point out that episode number 28, uh, talking about number 28, uh, you know, we clearly planned this ahead of time, right?
2: Nicely done, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were just pros like that.
0: Yeah, we had it all all, all, all weeks in advance. Anyway, um, it looks like going into, uh, and I'll address the elephant in the room. Yeah, we've got a whole episode about Buster Posey, and I'm, I'm sitting uh, with the yeah. and ready to crack into it. But before we get into that, it looks like you prepared a trivia question.
2: Yes, sir. So, again, it's Buster orientated. Uh, so, in 2008, he was picked fifth overall. Can you name any of the players taken before him in that draft?
0: Oh, man. I honestly, I, I should because this is a draft that I, I've probably looked at the most in that. Uh,
2: really? You know, in
0: that era because there are a lot of, I mean, there are a lot of a lot of big guys in there. Um, and I'm, see, my issue though is that I really, I also struggle sometimes with, you know, certain guys are on the same three, four year span. Right. You know, know, it's kind of hard to say, okay, was, remember, was this guy 2009? Was he 2000? And especially
2: because if they're drafted in 2008, like, they're not all going to come up in 2012. They're going to be different years. So they're going to mix with other draft years. It's it's confusing. So I don't blame you.
0: That and honestly, like, I'm, (laughs) sounds bad. I'm just horrible at, at keeping track of, like, players' ages too, because it's also something when you consider that not everyone enters the league at the same time. You could have somebody like Buster Posey, who came up as a very, very young guy. You could have someone like Chase Utley, who came up as a 27-year-old or 26-year-old, right? You know, so everyone kind of
2: everyone they have their own paths to the majors. Mind. So
0: you don't necessarily always relate a certain player with the people, the other players in his draft class. All of this is to stall. Um. So I, I, I
2: don't know. Um. Well, we I, we 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 just go for it. So give, uh, me,
0: give me one. Just give me one. Yeah.
2: Number one, uh Tim Beckham.
0: Tim Beckham.
2: Yeah, that's a name.
0: Wow. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have guessed that.
2: I always kinda of liked Beckham, and in my mind he's still young, but that was a long time ago now. Uh number okay. two, Pedro Alvarez. Wow. Uh he yeah. was on the Pirates, right? Yeah, he pirates for a while. Okay. Uh, number three, Eric Hosmer. Sure. That
0: okay, okay, okay. So that that's right. The Royals, yeah, the two thousand eight draft, I think the Royals did pretty well. Because that was a lot of those years were the you know, kind of the the foundation mm-hmm. for that twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen. Bingo, that makes sense.
2: And then right before Buster, Brian Matsus So wow, there we go. That's
0: uh, that's kind of rough. I mean, just think it. I mean, there's so many, so many of those stories too, because the MLB draft. I mean, just
2: so many. Yeah, it's, MLB it's, MLB yeah, draft. like Mike Trout was drafted. What twelfth was it? Something like that. Yeah, something,
0: 16th? something ridiculous. Yeah, I, and it's 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 yeah. always. Anyway, wow, that's a that's a good way to get get things going. Bring it, Gordon Beckham, <laughs> or I mean, excuse me, Tim Beckham. Wow, that is a name I Tim have not Tim, name
2: not name. Yeah, Tim not Beckham. even Gordon, yeah, Tim Beckham. Not Gordon
0: yet. Wow, and Buster Posey has outlasted all of them, or at least almost all of them. at This point, I would think he's is Hosmer still in the league? Hosmer is he's on the Padres.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, that's yeah, right. That's right. That's wild.
0: <laughs> all right, so episode twenty-eight, we're talking number twenty-eight. Brandon, I'll let you take the floor as we talk about Buster Posey.
2: So Noah and I have very mixed feelings about Buster Posey, obviously being in the same division, uh, seeing him dozens of times a year, watching him tear our teams apart. But he's just one of those players that Mm -hmm. even though you may dislike the team that he's playing for and not want them to win the World Series, you just respect the guy. It's terrible. Um, Sure. Yeah, Buster Posey is definitely at the top of that list, along with people like, I got to say it, Clayton Kershaw, I guess. <laughs> uh, so he's just a special, incredibly special player, not just on the field, but off the field as well, and this high character and just the way he composes himself. It's a wonderful person. So it was mixed feelings, of course, when he retired this week. So I, I kind of figured what we do is – as if this was a player played in the 1920s, we know nothing about, kind of dive in a little bit and see exactly what okay. he did before the majors and what made him special.
0: Okay, I, I like it. He's, he's. I mean, it fits the name, it fits in.
2: Yep, Buster Posey. Because that is, that's an A plus baseball name. Uh, so, like, you have in 1882, you have players Tip O'Neill, Pop Snyder, Jumbo Latham, Buster Posey. Oh, wait. See, it fits <laughs> so well. It, <laughs> it, it would. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, that's not his actual name. His real name might be better. Gerald Dempsey Buster Posey III. With that, you had to be a baseball player. (laughs) Uh, But Posey was always special on the diamonds. Um, His high school, he set the record by batting 544 in a single season. And he also pitched and got a 1.06 ERA. That's insane. And was given about every single award imaginable throughout the country while graduating with a 3.94 GPA.
0: Great. <laughs> what was there anything that he like? Was he? I don't know. Was did he struggle with anything at this point? Like,
2: uh, so all his coaches in high school and college all said he could have signed pro right out of high school, uh, but instead he elected to go to the floor of the state uh, for three years, where he did more of the same things. In his rookie season, just <laughs> his rookie season, hit three forty six and won a silver slugger as as wow. a as a freshman. That's absolutely insane. Yeah. And in his final year, he led the conference in batting average, home runs, RBIs, and like he did in high school, won every single major player award of the year. Uh, and and the coach at the time, Mike Martin, just gushed over Posey, calling him a special, special person, and that there was never a better team player than Buster Posey, which sums it up so nicely for Posey, especially as a catcher.
0: Yeah, and that's very consistent with what we've heard from his teammates and, and coaches as a pro.
2: Yeah. Um, and so he was drafted, of course, fifth, as we just found out earlier. And in his first partial season of professional baseball in that 2008 season, um, he raked at the rookie league level, hitting, again, 385. Yeesh. He did so well that the Giants invited him up to AT&T Park, uh, not as a player, just to watch and be you know, amongst the players in the final weekend of the season. And, of course, walking into AT&T Park, he said it was one of the most beautiful bar perks I've ever been in, which, again, I get. It's a very good-looking yep. ballpark. That's gorgeous.
0: I'll give him that. Mm.
2: So, two thousand nine was his, then his first full professional season, um, and Posey did Posey things, hitting three twenty one at AAA. A year ago, he was in college, and at that time, one year later, he's hitting over three hundred at AAA. That's incredible. I don't know what to make of that.
0: <laughs> and and he's he's twenty two. Like I I can't yeah. imagine. Like I'm I'm twenty three right now, and I can't imagine like just just how fast he's like these athletes move from high school to college to, to the majors. It's, it's
2: yeah. And, and it is really rare that you have someone even, yeah. even in college, like you still get some seasoning typically in college because you're more trained up than the high schooler. Right. but it's just so unusual. Um, and the, actually the, the ball club, they were planning on like a relatively slow upbringing to the majors. He's a young kid at a, you know, a highly difficult position. And they had at the time, Benji Molina, uh, you know, behind the plate. <laughs> so it made sense. <laughs> Uh, but as he's raking in AAA, uh, Benji goes down with a leg injury. So sure, they call it Buster Posey. All right. So Benji almost got Wally Pitts. He was very close to getting <laughs> Wally Pitt. Um, but he only uh there's it because at the end of the season, Buster only played in seven games. Okay. So not not too much there. But at least he got, you know, the cup of coffee.
0: Right, right.
2: Uh so even though he got in the majors, the Giants they still wanted to ease Posey and um, other blue chip prospect, Madison Bumgarner into the majors. Uh, so they kept Benjamin Lina on for the 2010 season. And they even had the internal conversations about bringing in uh, Padre. Here's a name. Uh, Torbett, Tor- uh, sorry. Yorbit Toriaba. Remember, wow. remember that guy? And Miguel Lebo.
0: Wow. I have not heard of Jorbit, uh Toriaba in years.
2: It's been a long time. <laughs> wow.
0: That's okay.
2: <laughs> yeah. So they was brought on Yorbit uh, uh, for the 2011 season. But as we know, they did not. Uh, so Posey started the season again in AAA, and local newspapers were all over the guy. Uh, <laughs> so they ran ads in the local town, of uh, things like, see him before, before he's gone, or see Buster play. They, they were high up on him. And they also did a lot of promotional material. So somewhere out there, there's a Buster Posey gardening hoe floating around. Because <laughs> uh, they had a special, because Buster Posey was... In the farm system, so gardening home. It's it's honestly
0: wild to me. Like we we should really do an episode on just weird minor league promotions. I think this is something we've talked. About. Oh
2: my god! I think um, that's an entirely another podcast think, altogether. But yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> so those ads saying you know seeing before he's gone were right because just two months into the season, barely two months in the season, Benji Molina he was struggling hard at the plates. So <laughs> so much for the gradual you know upbringing. Up comes Posey. And that's when the Posey era officially began because in his first major league season, he went nuts. And if you're following the storyline here, that's not surprising at all, (laughs) doing what (laughs) he does. Uh, It's just in his first season, he had a 21-game hit streak, one short of the giant record. His OPS plus, 133, which in theory says like 33% better than the batter in that year. Uh, Got on base 35% of the time, won rookie of the year, and finished 11th in MVP voting. Again, in his rookie season. And, rookie. <laughs> though. and he won the World Series. <laughs> the first championship for the club since 1954. So you mentioned this, that at this point, Buster Posey is 22. And he is catching, calling a game for a $126 million man Barry Zito, which was a record at the time. A Two-time Cy Young winner, Tim Lincecum. And then rounded out with Matt King, Jonathan Sanchez, and Madison Bumgarner. 22 years old, handling that pitching staff. Again, incredible.
0: Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine.
2: And he had some ties to Johnny Bench. Uh, so they they kind of grew up in the same vicinity of each other. And him being a great catcher in high school and college, Johnny Bench reached down and kind of formed that relationship. And uh, Bench likes telling the story of Game 2 uh, in San Francisco-Atlanta Divisional Game Series. Uh, so there was a pop-up in foul territory, and a Buster and Pablo Sandoval collided hard. And it brought both of them down in pain. So first off, Bench said, uh, Posey caught the ball even after that intense collision. Uh, then Posey immediately jumped up, looking both base runners back to the bags. And only when the call, uh, runner called time did Posey drop to his knees in pain. Like he wasn't feeling, but he still got up to make sure the play was right. going to be fine. And then uh, Bench noted that the training staff, when they came out, they went to Sandoval first because nobody cares about the catcher. They're supposed to be durable.
0: <laughs> that's such a, a great story, too. And honestly, sadly, yeah, the catcher's fine. He the catcher's it. fine. That's of course, of course, guy. the catcher's
2: going to jump up and throw the ball back yeah. and get somebody out. Just like what they're supposed to do. Oh, he broke a knee? That's fine. But yeah, that's just great, one of those things. That's a
0: great story, though.
2: Uh, so from that first season, we know exactly how it went. Seven-time All-Star, four-time Silva Slugger, 2012 MVP, and three-time World Series champion all while playing one of the most demanding positions in all the sports. He's he's an absolute luck Hall of Famer, in my mind.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're not going to get any argument from me. I I don't know if you're expecting an argument from me. No,
2: no. no. <laughs> if, if you were going to argue, I would have just left the podcast and found a new co-host.
0: You would have just let me, you know, I think it would have been better to just let me bury myself. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: I
2: mean,
0: there's, there's nothing more that I can really say that you didn't sum up. Um, yeah, Buster Posey is one of the, the best baseball players I've ever seen. He's probably the best catcher I've ever seen. And yeah. he's really one of those players that I disliked a lot of Giants players as is my, my duty. Mm. I could never bring myself to dislike Buster Posey. I, I you can't because he's, no. just, he's, he's one incredible, just athletically too. He's a great leader. And, yeah. you know, I think that that story there at, at the end really highlights the third point is he's a gamer. You know, he's, he, he, He's sacrificing his body for his team. I mean, he's putting it all on the line to win baseball games, and that's that's all you can ask for from somebody over over you know ten plus years in, in major league oh, yeah. baseball. And as much as he you know beat up on the Dodgers throughout his career, and, oh my goodness, you know I what I am gonna remember most mo- most is, is all those matchups that the, you know all of those matchups really like those legendary matchups that he had with with Clayton Kershaw. Kershaw won most of them. But it's, it's really all of those moments that contributed to not only like the petty rivalry that we have going on, but, but also just to baseball as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know you listed a bunch of his achievements, but I think one that we kind of didn't mention is he fundamentally, or excuse me, he really did fundamentally change the position of catcher. Oh, yeah. Um, in that, you know, now he's, he's one of the key reasons that catchers are not allowed to be just, you know, run over like, you know football players, right? It's it's when P- Buster Posey got hurt. You know they instituted that law where you can't just take out a you know and and an truck and run over an unsuspecting catcher. Um, and obviously, that's not something that I'm sure Buster Posey would have loved to happen in his career. <laughs> um, and obviously, it was it it was really unfortunate that it took some an, an accident and an, a huge injury like what happened to Buster. Um, to make that change, but I am saying that that is something else that you know we keep in mind is that few players do change the actual rules of baseball, and that's just that's just kind of cool. Um, yeah, I, I will say though, I think the most memorable Buster Posey moment for me was not even a Buster Posey moment <laughs> at all. It was a Hunter Pence moment, and it's when Hunter Pence hit a home run, and uh, I don't remember which of the uh, San Francisco announcers called it, uh, you know, Kruko, um probably, and he said something like he was like, and that was, you know, home run by Buster Posey, thinking that Hunter Pence yeah. was Buster Posey in the moment, as we all do at times. He says Buster Posey's good friend Hunter Pence, <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of the funniest sound bites ever because he. Yeah, you know, it's so relatable and it's just so <laughs> great. And Hunter Pence, obviously, both guys just thought it was hilarious. Hunter mm-hmm. Pence went by, you know, Posey's good friend for a while. It's, it's, it's just one of those things that sticks out to me as we're, we're talking about his career. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I just I can't I can't say enough good things about Buster Posey. Madison Bumgarner, I have different dri- slightly different opinions on, but Buster Posey truly, is, <laughs> if if you made it, ha- if you made a team. Of like like a decade team, um, I you would be very hard pressed to put um anyone but Posey at catcher. And oh, yeah, like like including Molina, like Bust, like like for what Buster provided on both sides of the ball, I don't think there's a better catcher in baseball during that time period.
2: No, uh, especially at peak and long longevity. Even though he only played ten years yeah. for twenty tens, no, he, he's definitely the catcher of the decade, hands down.
0: And it's it really and it, it just highlights one of the issues that we have with Hall of Fame voting, <laughs> which is just that the fact that this is even a question that Buster Posey would be a Hall of Famer is ridiculous. Yeah, like like something needs to be done uh, specifically to make it easier for catchers to be inducted because there's other guys that deserve to be in there. Joe, Maurer, um, oh, Joe know, Mauer, oh Joe Mauer, yeah, one. you know there's so yeah the Buster Posey of course surefire Hall of Famer, it's not even a debate that's what i got
2: <laughs> perfect
0: yeah very very grateful to have watched him uh beat the the heck out of the dodgers for the oh, last okay.
2: game. So, so really quick um i looked at this all the stats he played the most games against dodgers 167 games so you got a full season of looking at buster wow. and he only hit 288 off you
0: <laughs> still over a season 288 is pretty good
2: yeah he uh, faced dime backs like 161 times and hit like 350 or something like that against us. So, you know, I mean, whatever. <laughs> hey, this is the 2010 Diamondbacks. We're better. <laughs> in theory, in theory. Um,
0: yeah, so uh, anything else you got on Buster Posey?
2: Um, no, I think I said everything that could ever be said ever about Were Posey. You
0: surprised when he announced his retirement?
2: Yeah, I was. Uh, he just put up a fantastic season last year. Uh, but I, I guess he, did, he didn't He did play in 2020 out of COVID uh, fears. And so I, I'm willing to bet having a year off with his family really shaded his idea of, you know, I can spend all this time with family as opposed to traveling on the road. And so in retirement, he's going to go live with his uh, wife's family in Georgia. So I wasn't surprised. I, knowing that, if I knew of him, like personally, I bet I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but from a baseball fan perspective, definitely surprised.
0: Yeah, I mean for me it, it really it took me aback too because I, I was expecting him to come back. Um yeah. and it doesn't it doesn't it it, it yeah, I, I just because he was so good, but I also really respect, you know, him choosing to go out on a high note. And yeah. I think that to have to just stick around and put up some and I'm not saying that he would put up mediocre seasons, but I think we've we've very much seen ball players it's very past their their prime continue to a mass mm-hmm. counting stats, and I I don't know. It, it, it yeah, I'm kind of glad that, that we got to see Buster Posey go out looking like Buster
2: Posey and not looking right like, as opposed to like, like Willie, Willie Mays on the Mets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, is so beyond Posey, is there a player retirement that kind of like hit you especially hard or, or made you feel kind of old?
2: Oh, that that hit me especially hard. So, mm. I'll. The ones that retired that kind of hurt me, I, I knew were happening. Uh, most of those would be like from my favorite boyhood team, the 2001 Diamondbacks, like when Luis Gonzalez stepped away, we we all knew that was coming. Um, Randy Johnson, Miguel Bautista, all, all that. So I haven't been surprised. Nothing's caught me off guard. Um, but I know when Granke goes, that's going to hit me pretty hard.
0: You know, I just, that was, I really wanted to talk about that. Like, <laughs> you know, because I just, I want another year of Zach Greinke. That, that was also, he was also yeah. on my list in the sense that, you know, it's coming. And I just, it's like Ichiro. The game's just going to be different without.
2: That one did hurt. That's right. Ichiro was a hurt retirement.
0: Ichiro, when, when I, I wrote that discussion question down, obviously there's Clayton Kershaw and I've already said, you know four podcasts worth of words about Clayton Kershaw on here so I won't bore everyone again but beyond Clayton Kershaw um Ichiro Ichiro when Ichiro retired that was that was like my childhood <laughs> like that was like yeah. the end of my childhood I feel like was
2: I, I I still always hear the call in my head a laser beam throw by Ichiro
0: <laughs> when I think of uh, and it's it's wild when I think of some of my earliest baseball memories it's You know, seeing Ichiro hit that inside the park home run in the All Star game. Yeah. Yeah, park. Um, Watching. Of course, I just had it in my brain. And then it it, (laughs) is. Just all the throws, just everything Ichiro Ichiro was to baseball is just. It's something that we've missed. All right. Well, unfortunately, we had a. Our our recording system, Zencaster, had a bit of a hiccup. um, So we don't. Remember exactly where we were talking about uh, these players, but we did talk about Zach Greinke and Ichiro and just the effects of, you know, well Zach Greinke's pending retirement. We don't know when or if that's going to happen. He could pitch forever, I suppose. Um, but is there anyone else that that kind of sticks out from past or present to you um, that you're dreading possibly? Me, I, I know just just of current players. Juan Soto is gonna bother me a lot when he retires. Well, he's
2: he's still sixteen, man.
0: Exactly. It's it's he he was the first player that was younger than me, and oh. I know that's gonna that's gonna oh, be one of those Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Uh,
2: tr- speaking of what, just Justin Upton. Um, I remember oh. when he was selected number one overall pick, and I think he was like a year, maybe I think he's just like a year or two older than I am. Uh, so when he got called up, and was like, hey, there's hope. Look at them go. I'll be in the major leagues one day, too. Um, uh, of course, he played great for the Diamondbacks. And now, like 15 years later, he's still hovering around in the majors. Uh, so when he goes, it's going to be a sign of the times for me, especially.
0: Justin Upton was such a fun Diamondback. Oh, he was so <laughs> great.
2: He was so great.
0: I also remember just kind of along the lines of guys that I remember their debuts, Jason Hayward. I remember he hit a home run in his first, and I think I might have talked about this on the podcast. But I remember watching him hit a home run in his first ever MLB at bat with Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And now he's a veteran. And I know what, have, what has happened. What that was that was like three years ago. What happened? <laughs> like,
2: um, and now you're seeing all your favorite players become managers, or bench coaches, or things like that. Uh, Craig Council is one of them for me. Definitely growing up watching him, and now he's managing the Brewers. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's it's and and people say that about Dave
2: Roberts too, and it's oh, just yeah, it's it's. Weird. I, I bet <laughs> you the weird thing is some people think that about Dusty Baker. I guarantee you, oh, there's a couple fans right. out there. It's like oh, I remember Dusty as a second baseman in 1954 season.
0: <laughs> well, our our friend, are we we talk to our friend Fred, uh, Mister. Mr. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> you know I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure that's he's got a, his own fun perspective on seeing guys that you know you you see come up as players turn into into managers. But uh, anyway questioning our own mortality here on Short Hops and Tall Tales. Uh, we'll be right back uh, after a short word from our spawn.
1: Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff, plus you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as 8 Dollars a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com/backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code. And we're back.
0: <laughs> was that was that a dark segue? I feel like that was a dark segue.
2: <laughs> no, we're good. Existential crisis, you know, par for the course here.
0: All right. All right. Um, so uh, with that, let's pop open the pickle jar. All right. So the word for today, uh, what are we talking about, Brandon?
2: We're talking about tools of ignorance as this baseball term we're going to figure out today tools of ignorance and
0: i i i don't believe that's an insult
2: (laughs) no it's not well i mean it's a backhand of compliment certainly (laughs) there you go um
0: so it sounds like you know what the tools of ignorance are i know what the tools of or do you Yeah, yeah yeah i I do i did i was able to actually ask one of my friends um just just to get his perspective um and so i i i hit up my friend Simon uh so shout out to Simon for for coming through and helping us out um and he said that you know his first thought was that the tools of ignorance is probably something related to cheating um but he said he didn't know enough about how people cheat other than pitchers um and so he's his his line of thinking was that the tools are different cheating strategies gotcha like like I could see like the telescope from you know uh the the shot heard around the world (laughs) Um, I could see that being considered a of tool, a tool of ignorance. You're doing something okay. somewhat ignorant with it, <laughs> um, and and that you're cheating baseball. I think as far as is you know this being a pretty, I think this is probably one of the harder terms to kind of define if yeah. you don't know what it is. Yeah, if you're not a
2: baseball fan, you'll yeah,
0: yeah. So I, I was very impressed with that answer, but uh,
2: yeah. Do fill us in. <laughs> yeah, so uh, of course, tools of ignorance are just is just catcher's gear. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's, it's just what it is. Catcher's gear, tools of ignorance. Um, I, I had no idea how that term began. It's just always been in my brain. Uh, so Major League Baseball on the website helpfully defined it or you know, uh, found the origin there. Uh, it was coined by catcher Harold Muddy Rule who played from 1915 all the way to 1934. Uh, so it's meant to point out the irony that the player with the intelligence needed to be effective behind the plate would be foolish enough to play a position that required so much safety equipment.
0: <laughs> you know, I can't. I can't argue that that's not not pretty spot on because once you consider that he's talking, you know, catcher's gear was not nearly as advanced in, no. in, in, in as it was, you know, today, right? Like, so you really were. You had to really uh, be a tough, a tough player. Oh my to goodness! Get behind the plate, without a
2: lot of that. I I always. I don't like it, but it always interests me uh, to see the hands of old catchers and just how gnarled and odd they are. The mitts, they're just mitts. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, 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 it is a funny, uh, it's a funny dichotomy to think. Yeah. You've
2: got to be, you know, the
0: catcher is widely regarded as one of the, you know, if not the most important position on the baseball field because most of the plays run through them, right? Mm -hmm. Game calling and all that. And that obviously takes quite a bit of strategy and, and, you know, uh, <laughs> the ability to think critically and it's just hilarious that <laughs> at the same time they're putting themselves directly <laughs> in harm's way with the bat and the now we're throwing 100 miles an hour uh-huh. and breaking pitches break 20 feet like it is it is a uh, like a self-inflicted kind of um and, uh, tools know, of you know. ignorance. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 funny, but it also I think it is cool how it also creates a bit of a like a catching fraternity uh, between these 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 old catchers that uh, <laughs> you all came up at, you know around similar times. So yep. it's, it's cool, but uh, yeah, tools of ignorance. It's I think that's probably one of the the harder words.
2: W- word. w- yeah, especially if you had didn't watch baseball, you'd have no idea what that meant. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, all right. Um. So. Put a lid back on the pickle jar. It's time for Home Sweet Home, a study of weird stadium features. Weep. Now, this, conversa- this actually grew out of a conversation about baseball that I was having with my girlfriend, Mia. Um, so, for a little bit of background, she's a big basketball fan. And, of course, basketball courts, they all have the same dimensions. They're all indoors. They're all fairly standardized, right? The hoops are all the same height.
2: Um, yeah they're exactly standardized <laughs> exactly. they're all standard
0: yeah you, you're right um and so we were having a discussion about about how that's not the case in baseball and i had never i've always thought of it being a a really cool part a really cool aspect of the game that each home field has its own character right its mm-hmm. own quirks its own weird features and i had never really considered it something that would be i don't know just Un, i mean she was talking about you know it sounds unbalanced it sounds frustrating and it definitely is all of those things yes it is it totally is uh but it was just kind of interesting to get that perspective from someone who was you know baseball's not their their top sport you know and because i i think i kind of
2: yeah and, and it was funny i was just having a conversation with a friend as well and they didn't know that the baseball fields were different dimensions <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah, and it 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 really when you think about it from a sports I mean, in general, yeah, just or just an equity standpoint for for teams, like it <laughs> it's really weird that you can have different <laughs> dimensions because I don't think any other sport does that. Soccer, it's all the same.
2: Well, no, it's mostly the same, but the different sizes okay. in the field. Okay,
0: okay, I, I didn't know that that different. That, that
2: was I mean, it's nothing like baseball differences, but there's, there's still some yeah. differences. But yeah, nothing else really
0: yeah that's that's just super it's it's super interesting so i guess my question to kind of get into this discussion because that's what i was saying i was like it gives us an opportunity for some really weird really i think the right term is arcade style baseball Mm -hmm. um in a certain way because that's what it kind of feels like is like when you play you know uh, like a mario kart track right and i don't know there's like special power-ups or 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 something on the track that, that helps one character over another i don't know maybe not how mario kart works um but anyway, this this is all to say, uh, like just go, before we get into this, are you pro or or con? Like, where are you at with the unique field dimensions? You, oh,
2: I I absolutely love it. Okay, it, it just gives baseball more character, which it always so desperately needs, and it, I, I I love it.
0: Yeah, I, I figured that was what you were gonna say. I just wanted to get a read of it. Okay. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So so now we're gonna go into just very briefly just ten of the, ten of the weirdest stadium features in baseball history. Um, okay (laughs) for better or worse so at number 10 uh, these are roughly ordered um but not like super ordered so if you're hearing this and you're like why wasn't this number one don't get mad at me it's a list um so number one or 10 i guess the foul territory at the oakland coliseum um so for those of you that are unfamiliar uh and this is also a a segment that as we kind of read stadiums it might help you to just kind of google on your phone get some images just to kind of see what we're talking about um, as we go but Oakland Coliseum uh, what, what when the Diamondbacks go to Oakland what is your thought because I hate play I hate watching oh TV man in
2: Oakland. there's just so much room in foul territory uh, it's absolutely insane so a pop-up that should be like in the 12th row in the foul side isn't out yeah yeah and it's
0: it's the most in MLB by far
2: but I guess I do love pitchers' duels, so I, that that part of me should absolutely love it.
0: Well, I I, I am a fan of pitchers' duels as well, and you know it is interesting because it I I wonder if there's an some economic I mean besides the fact that they don't want to <laughs> anyway uh, I wonder if there's like economic ba- like a basis for that in that. You know, focusing on pitching kind of helps them save money when they have all that foul territory to really play to their stadium strengths. Well, um, I, considering the athletics history of spending or.
2: Yeah, that, that was my thought. They probably just don't want to pay enough to extend the field there. Uh, of course, they had the football team in there for a while, too, which kind of changed the dimensions yeah. of the field.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, OK, so we're going to do this. So, so scale of one to one to seven. How how offensive do you think the foul territory is in Oakland?
2: It is as offensive as you using a one to seven scale and not a one to ten scale. I
0: don't like one to ten scales because they're <laughs> very arbitrary, and everyone gives everything a seven or an eight. It's great inflation. It's a real problem. Oh,
2: um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you had that ready to go. I loved it. Thank you. Um, okay, so one to seven offensive. It's honestly like a three. Like a three, yeah. Yeah, I
0: don't. It's. I don't think it's too bad. It's. It's. It's something you can work around. Okay. Now. Now, hear me out for this. So, number two or number nine, rather. We have the ceiling of the Metrodome. The Metrodome is where the Twins used to play, and it was well. It was a dome. Uh, one of the first uh domes in baseball, and it had a white ceiling. (laughs) Now, you might be sitting at home thinking like, why does that matter? It's the ceiling, the game is on the ground. Well, when somebody would hit a fly ball in the air, it made it difficult for the fielders to actually track them. Uh, So it gave twins outfielders who were used to playing at home and used to having to pick out the white ball, the white background, (laughs) it gave them a, a slight advantage on fly balls. Um, this I think is one of the sneakier I you know one of, this would just be annoying I feel like I if I was an outfielder I would be really bitter about this having to go, mm-hmm. to, uh, go to play the twins in this stadium um, and I just feel like it's one of those things that I I get that the the Minnesota outfielders you know can get used to it and get reps in and I just don't know if it would still be just not worth the impedance on my, our own fielders you know
2: yeah, uh, so things like Oakley, and we'll get some other stadiums, are shaped the way they are or, you know, formed the way they are for a reason. But these guys just, you know, painted something differently. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think it would be cool to have, like, like, like if you're going to have a dome, like white is such a boring color, like get someone to do like this is like, like some kind of baseball Sistine Chapel up there, you know, like <laughs> let's get some, some artwork going. Um, <laughs> so Metrodome ceiling, where are you at? Scale one to seven. Is that
2: worse or? or oh, that's much worse. That's, that's much worse The foul territory. territory. Um, just because it could also possibly interact with the safety of fans looking up at the pop flies. That's going to be a sure. six.
0: That's true. A six out of seven.
2: Wow. Yeah, man, that, that white dome, you can change that or you could have changed it. It's true. All right. Yo, hey, <laughs> I don't like this one.
0: <laughs> so so I'm revealing I have these all highlighted out. So I, I'm getting the element of surprise, surprise for Brandon. But we're going to chase field. I think this is one of the cooler uh, installations and it actually doesn't affect the field of play. Uh, the Diamondbacks just have a swimming pool out in the outfield. It's really cool. Um, I have in the notes it, it gives for a refreshing swim on a division.
2: That, day. That's a very different story. Uh, but yeah, the pool, unfortunately, it's not actually in play. You're not going to have the right fielder dive cool. and land into the pool, which would be awesome. Uh, but people do hit home runs in there and it's just, you know, pool shot that makes me happy. Do you, have you ever been, been into the pool? No, but according to my sixth grade teacher, he was a lifeguard at the pool for about two seasons. Oh, so that's, that that's fun. a cool little gig. Yeah. That's, that's very nice. But no, I, I've never ponied up that money to go hang I, out in the pool. I think that they should move
0: the pool closer, like, and and even if it's not in the field of play, it would be cool to have it back up to the fence, to where a fielder could rob a, like, hypothetically.
2: Okay, Jackie get the glove wet.
0: Well, if if Jackie Bradley Jr. was running full tilt to to, to rob a home run and, and fell over the fence in the pool, that would be an
2: ultimate. If he can jump over that fence, he deserves to get go in the pool. That's a mighty high fence.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Move it, move
2: it closer. Yep. Right all right, so what's what, what we got next?
0: Okay, move, keeping it moving. Uh, we're just going to talk about the Marlins Park and their so the Marlins. For those of you who don't know, they have a they have a really cool aquarium behind home plate. Um, it's it's not directly behind the backstop, but it's like built into it. So there's like fish and stuff. I don't know. I think that's pretty cute. But they had this. Awful, horrendous home run statue out in center field. Up loved up it. until you know. The, I think it was last two years they they moved it out of the out in front of the park. If you haven't, if you don't know what we're talking about, please do yourself a favor and go on YouTube and Google Marlins home run statue.
2: You know because it lights up and it spins. Is the ugliest, most
0: garish statue. It's
2: bombastic.
0: It's it's bold it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's really it's very colorful and I I think it's very lively and I just also think it's a really bad fit <laughs> um and and I think that ever since they got rid of it out there the park has actually it's looked a lot better it's it's kind of more of a, va- a vapor wavy kind of like cool Florida I don't, is I don't know but I like I like the park now even if it is just
2: cavernous it is but I mean agave statues in florida i'm here for it
0: all right all right um now this one is interesting because it actually doesn't really have much to do with the actual dimensions of the field itself it, do, it has a little to deal to deal with it but we're talking about the coors field um and and the elevation effect uh where baseballs uh they fly further when you go to coors field that's why they have more home runs hit at you know at coors field than you know on a rate basis than pretty much anywhere right um until very last few years they installed a humidor to try to negate some of that uh some of that effect now as as a fellow nl west fan um do you enjoy when the diamondbacks go go and play in course uh
2: when the diamondbacks are on top or if i know my favorite pitcher isn't playing in course field (laughs) i really do enjoy the game it just feels like afternoon baseball
0: it's it's a beautiful park and I think that's what I think that's really the shame is that they it's really difficult to to completely negate that,
2: that Yeah you, you can't activity. change physics that much
0: <laughs> Exactly exactly and, and and it's a shame that you know cuz I think that well, similar to the athletics that's something that the Rockies front office or you know in theory has been trying to build build into you know their team structure and and you know getting a lot of ground ball pitchers and, you know, getting a lockdown bullpen
2: to middling results a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, Rocky's <laughs> front of the office with foresight. Bold. Yeah.
0: I, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, but chorus field, I think that's probably it may be the least, or maybe one of the most subtle uh, things here, since it's not like a physical like statue or part of the park but mm-hmm. I, I would i would think that this is probably the most impactful of of all of the oh yeah yeah would you agree
2: of all of the um of all the ones you've seen so far absolutely
0: okay okay so now we're gonna get real weird with it and if you've kind of been following along and you're a football or a basketball fan and you're like wow this is really dumb that all of these baseball teams play by essentially different rules at their home parks uh where well, you're, you're gonna hate this Um, So at Tropicana Field, uh, commonly referred to as the Trop or Costco, um, it's where the Tampa Bay Rays play. And it it's very interesting because it's a very large dome and running across the top of the dome are catwalks. Mm -hmm. Now, these catwalks are in play. Granted, they're so high up that you wouldn't think that it was possible to hit them. However, if a ball strikes either of the lower two catwalks, uh, known as the C or D rings, um, or any lights in there, um, that's that's considered a home run. Um, now, if it strikes it, it, it strikes uh, you know either the upper catwalks, known as the A ring or the B ring. Um, including any of the support beams or anything like that, it's actually still in play. So you could feasibly hit a ball super high into the air, have it clack yeah. off of one of those B or C rings, and then get caught by a fielder, and then you're out.
2: And that's happened a couple times.
0: <laughs> it happened as recently as, as the playoffs. I think Nelson Cruz hit a hit a towering fly ball that, that clanked off of something in the catwalk and i don't remember if it was caught or not or if it dropped but what's really interesting is when you see one of those moonshot fly balls out there you see the outfielder kind of like settling under and then sometimes you'll see them kind of freeze and then you just see a look of panic set in as they realize the balls hit off of something up top Mm -hmm. and then they'll have to like sprint in a couple feet or or go to their left or right and i think i think it's just so weird that they're considered in play (laughs) Like, there's no reason for this.
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess the first time they had to come into action was in the old Astrodome, because that was the first dome, the That's s- true. eighth one to the world. And so they had to make up rules as to what happens if you hit the ceiling.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and something I didn't touch on, but if a ball just gets hit onto one of those, those catwalks, <laughs> um, it's just a double. <laughs> so, like, if you hit a ball that gets stuck on, like, a, I don't know, a railing or something, you get two bases. It's just so weird that there's, like, a... Z- it's almost like playing it, it. It's just weird to think that there's obstacles above the field of play. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I think that it'd be cool, like to take it a step further and have like, I don't know, maybe like targets or something up there. <laughs> um, I don't know. May, m- make it more of a mini golf. Sure. Yeah. My my hot take. <laughs> my hot take is that the drop is actually a pretty cool stadium. Um it's it's definitely and that's when it's full, because when it's full in playoff baseball like we saw, you know, recently, they illuminate the top of the dome with these brilliant purple lights and it's really, really it's fun. pretty. Mm-hmm. It's just when there's nobody there, it's kinda depressing. Um okay, so now we're we're almost through it, through our list. Uh, and we can't get through a weird stadium conversation without talking about the Polo. Oh, my
2: goodness, about time!
0: <laughs> the Polo Grounds. So, for those of you who don't know, the Polo Grounds—it's an old, old ballpark. I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> polo, anyway, so that any of you, for those of you who don't know, the Polo Grounds—it's an old, old ballpark uh, where the New York Giants used to play. And what makes it unique is that the dimensions are probably the most um, ridiculous field dimensions in any any stadium period.
2: It is my favorite perk of all time, just for this reason.
0: Um, so to left field, uh, it, it's, it's 279 feet. Uh, to right field, it's even shorter. It's 258 feet. Well, that's not for bad. For context, for context, I'm going to pull it up right now. A little league field. Uh, the the fence the minimum fence distance is 200 feet so you're telling me that major league stadium is only 58 feet further um to right field and only you know about like 79 feet further to left it's like
2: it's, it's like hitting bouncy balls at that point
0: <laughs> yeah it's, it's 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 hilarious and if you think that that sounds just super unfair well listen to this center field was 483 feet away it was the deepest park in Major League history. Like, like you can't. Well, it it, it it literally. I don't know, Brandon. Do you play any MLB The Show?
2: I I did for a while. Yeah,
0: for a little bit. I don't know if you ever played at the Polo Grounds, but I tried so hard to hit a home run
2: out out to Oh, school. every time, every time every you try time. to hit the Polo Grounds.
0: I think the best I did, I hit it off of the fence once with Frank Thomas, and that that's the best I could do. But meanwhile, you could you could get jammed and break your bat and just pop one over the fence and, and right or left field. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really cool, and it's 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 yeah. If if we had to play a, a playoff series in the Polo Grounds today, um, yeah, it probably wouldn't go over too well.
2: Oh, <laughs> I would I absolutely love it. Oh, I would love
0: it too. It it'd be entertaining. Uh,
2: now, I, I do want to point out really quick that you mentioned it was the longest, um, the furthest to center field. Is it not? It is not. That's Braves Field in Boston, whose center field was 550 feet straight away. Wow. That is <laughs> a good place to be a pitcher. Yes. <laughs> or a terrible place, because if it gets by your guy, it's that's a home run.
0: Also also true. Yeah. I mean, a lot of potential for inside the Parkers. But uh, just to, to keep it going here. Um,
2: I have in the uh, notes, it, uh. in,
0: it just says everything about Minute Maid Park. This is a personal choice, and I'm going to go on a rant. Um, Tall's Hill. So for those of you, I, you got to get this out of the way. Tall's Hill. For those of you who don't know what this is, Tall's Hill is, is they used to have a, a straight up hill with a flagpole in the field of play in center field.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. It was kidding. a little incline, so right at the very tips on the field, uh, right before we get to the wall, an um, incline. So it goes from the safety track, uh, the warning track with the dirt, and it goes back to grass as you go up an incline with a flagpole in play.
0: Like, how, how asinine is that? Like, that is the most, like, and, and a lot of these, I'm not going to lie, like, I enjoy a lot of these dumb, you know, field quirks, but that is dangerous to have a flagpole in center field. You know, if you're, granted, it was very rare for someone to hit a ball to the the Tals Hill all the way out in center field.
2: But so yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I I kind of like Tallis Hill. I'll be honest with you. I I, I love the u- unique identity of it, and it was a lot of fun. I remember the highlight. I think it's Jim Edmonds doing an open shoulder, laying out catch on Tallis Hill that had to hurt horribly. Uh, but yeah. it looked cool.
0: <laughs> oh, trust me. Like as a fan, I think it's. It's probably the most interesting. Um, of course, you have the monster, but probably the most interesting field quirk. But I think, from a practical gameplay standpoint, very irresponsible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it, I mean, it, you have a flagpole in the field of play. I don't know. It's it's just just look like like any of this. Look it up and tell me like like. <laughs> it just 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 you got to see it for yourself it's <laughs> moving beyond the big silly hill out in center field oh more
2: things you don't like excellent
0: more things i don't like i told you it's a rant it's the train they've just got a giant train up in left field you don't like the um, choo-choo man no i don't like the choo no i i <laughs> and i'm a train guy so that's that's really saying something so <laughs> the the train that every time they hit a home run they blow that and and I'm not gonna lie, of course this has a fair amount of bias because I have flashbacks to hearing that train sound go off that, that horn go off in my head in, in twenty seventeen, but I can't stand it. It's just so loud and I, I maybe it's me not understanding the connection to Astros being a, a you know, a, a space theme and Houston
2: Houston being a good train town. I sure.
0: Okay. <laughs> But it's it's I don't know it, it's that's just me being a grumpy old man about about old about loud noises I guess.
2: What next don't you like?
0: The next thing I like and I think honestly this this is probably the least unique thing about about current minute made park but also probably the most impactful is the Crawford boxes in left field. <laughs> the Crawford boxes in left field are the most aggravating um short porch in baseball and I know I understand that the Yankees also have a uh, like a signature short porch as well nothing to take away from them um and you know it's just we only have 10 slots here so whatever uh but the Crawford boxes are the one ones I have more experience with because I cannot tell you how many times I've seen a weak fly ball off of the bat off of the hands It
2: just gets it out just, of there
0: just gets out of there just barely and then every time i you know you'll go on twitter and you'll see that was only a home run in one out of 30 ballparks and then you want to throw your phone through a wall you know it's just <laughs> and that's that's the thing that really i think that is has been made very interesting just based on you know all having all this data just readily available mm-hmm. um and just how fast social media makes things available is that you can see way you know how a ball would have played at other stadiums very quickly like within a ma- matter of minutes after it's it's hit in real time and it's so frustrating to see a ball hit against your team that was just like had like you know just horrible peripherals meaning that it was supposed to be an out nine times out of ten necessarily and it just gets out over the crawford uh, out over the wall and you know it's a home run because of that specific park, and that's what what it just for me The Crawford boxes are the one place that I've seen that happen the most, and so it's just burned into my head. Um, It's also scary because I feel like they – maybe this
2: is just – Man, you really don't like Minute made (laughs) perk.
0: I I really didn't mean to rant like this, so I'll wrap it up. But it just seems (laughs) dangerous. You know, thinking of Giancarlo Stanton, like you're actually really close to the field, which is cool. I just feel like there needs to be a little net maybe. I don't know because I just – guys hit the ball hard these days you know stanton hits the ball out there at 120 miles an hour i don't know it's 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 scary but just to wrap things up you can't get through this conversation without talking about wrigley field and the ivy out there on the outfield um that's provided a series of great moments from baseballs getting lost in it so fly balls being hit into the ivy and then having multiple baseballs fall out good times um, So I think the Wrigley Field Ivy and it also the brick wall, uh, it's just it adds so much character to the stadium. Um, It's what that's why Wrigley Field's one of the most iconic, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. venues in in America. Um, And of course, it goes hand in hand with the green monster Um, in Boston. That is the well, it's it's a monster of a wall in left. Hey, Um, so between those two signature stadium features, which one is your favorite? Between the, the Ivy and the Monster.
2: Um, well, I just like the Ivy. It feels like summer baseball when it's out in green. Yeah. It feel, feels nice. Uh, green Monster, you know, it's, it's fine. I think the
0: Green Monster, to me, <laughs> I I think I would like the Crawford boxes more if they it was just a higher fence like the Green Monster. <laughs> I, I, I know you don't want to rip off the Green Monster. I think the Green Monster is entertaining because it's almost like a strength competition. You know, it's, it's just who can just, just get the, the arc and the, the, you know, the force into it to just get the ball out. And you, you know, if you can get that, that angle to consistently hit balls over, like you don't have to hit it as far right. Right. Um, but I will say this, I think that the presence of the green monster detracts from the true, um, the the true issue uh, with with Fenway Park, and that is pesky pole.
2: Oh, I was thinking the prices of the hot dogs, but pesky pole, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, the prices of the hot dogs, sure. <laughs> um, that that's that's not necessarily unique to or <laughs> to to Boston, but <laughs> pesky pole. So you've got the Green Monster in left field, which is this hulking fence, and then in pesky uh, or in right field, you so so it goes. Um, let me pull up the dimensions real quick. So to left field, the monster, it's only 310 feet. To center field, it's considerably further, uh, 389. And the deepest part of the park is 420 feet to deep right center. Now, that said, to right field, it's only 302 feet. Um, And it's really interesting because it goes out. The field goes out so far to right center that the fence actually has to come around and kind of like curve in uh, to meet the dimension uh, and to meet the pesky pole, the foul pole in right field. So what's cool is depending on where players are positioned. um, For example, I saw a clip years ago of Mookie Betts um, because I guess he used to play on a different team at one (laughs) point in his career um, where he actually was playing right field for the Red Sox and somebody hit a a. Tailing ball, a ball that was a fly ball, pretty weakly hit, tailing towards the uh, the foul pole, and Mookie Betts actually runs in and reaches over the fence and robs the home run. And it's so, it's I think the only one of the only places you can hmm. rob a home run by running in. Yeah, um, and so it's 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 called the Pesky Pole because it's just, I mean, it's named. Isn't it named after a person?
2: Yeah, I think yeah, I think it was, that was like Jonathan Pesky because he would constantly hit the ball in that area. He needed that that pole there so he could hit on runs I think that's the story behind pesky's pole
0: okay okay well I think I think you know what that's that's something we'll have to we'll have to go into greater detail because this is I feel like just Fenway Park and Wrigley specifically deserve their own their own their yeah that's true right just as being so so uh just so important to baseball history so we'll put a pin in that and we'll save that for an upcoming episode. We'll get all into the legends and, and history behind Pesky Pole and the Green Monster uh, and Fenway Park. Um, but just before we close things out, um, do you have a favorite stadium quirk?
2: Well, first of all, you, you said we're the stadiums in baseball history. And man, you whew, we got to talk about earlier from the 50s because there were some funky oh, yeah, stadiums out is- there.
0: This is definitely not an okay.
2: Just making sure we'll get in there.
0: We only had 10, you know, it, it was there were. If if we went to, I didn't want to be talking f- for three hours about stadiums, <laughs> so yeah. you know, I just picked 10 arbitrarily. But oh, what, arbitrarily, what,
2: what, what, okay, gotcha. So I won't talk about the Baker Bowl or the Coliseum or how baseball has got their you know, fields got the f- shape in the first place. What <laughs> I thought, <laughs> um, so if I was creating a stadium. I would like Ivy and the green monster combined. I think that would be a neat little thing. I like I Ivy. The
0: Ivy over the green monster?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I would have a train because I, I like trains. Sure. Um, I want that course field elevation and the foul territory of Oakland Stadium.
0: So you're just making a, a Frankenstein's monster.
2: I am. So back when you can create parks and like MLB, the show and things like that, I'd make the craziest shape parks. And I loved every single moment. <laughs>
0: okay okay i, I mean I'm a, I'm a big fan of those those things too but i would hate playing in your stadium I, i'm not gonna lie
2: oh but <laughs> it'd be all, great to watch <laughs> it'd be
0: it'd be a great game that's true um is there a specific so would you say the ivy's like your favorite or the monster is there like another stadium like
2: I, I i definitely don't think the monster is one of my favorites it's just unique enough to combine with the ivy uh what but least favorite, least favorite? um well, I guess now that we know the Metrodome ceiling, the whiteness, that's <laughs> just a terrible feature all, all yeah. over. Yeah, that's true. What about you? Well, besides, you know, Tells Hill. said my piece. Okay. <laughs> you no, know,
0: I don't think anyone wants to hear any more from me on, on <laughs> yeah, it, It's really just just Minute Maid. It's, One it's, more yeah. thing about
2: Minute Maid is the AC is never right where it uh, needs to be.
0: You know, the trash cans. Um, yeah, it's, it's – it, for me, I think if – if I had to just pick something, you know, I, 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 I don't really hate a lot of these weird quirks. Even Coors Field, it's annoying to play in. It's especially <laughs> annoying when, you know, you've got one of your favorite pitchers going in there and you're like, great. Or you're like, oh, I hate yeah. that. Um, but it all adds character. And that's where I think baseball really excels, you know, and, and it's, it's. Yeah, there's points where it's incredibly frustrating. There's points that I, you know, it, it I hate about, you know, weird stadium quirks. Heck, I remember a, a grand slam that I think in 29, 28, 2019, um, we were playing the Diamondbacks. The Dodgers were playing the Diamondbacks, and I think they hit a grand slam. Might have been CJ Crone, and it was something mm-hmm. that just was not supposed to be a home run and it just wrapped around it was in right field just happened to scrape over the fence and it was like that's a home run in two ballparks and it's like those moments you hate it you hate it but the bigger picture i just i love it because mm-hmm. it, it's it's history and it's weird it's wonky it's imperfect and that's baseball you know, sounds it's, like short hops and tall tales to me <laughs> emphasis on the imperfect <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> but um, anyway, that uh, that will just about wrap things up for us here tonight. Uh, pretty full episode. We covered a lot of ground. Started off talking about one of the greatest catchers of the generation. Uh, and wow, tools of ignorance—we tied that in. I didn't even realize we were doing that in the moment. You must have. <laughs> I, I noticed it. Yeah. <laughs> and then we close things out with some weird stadium stuff, which we're definitely gonna have to go uh, more in depth on
2: in the future. Entire that episode about Minute Maid just Park.
0: Untapped? No, no. I think we've covered <laughs> enough. Just such an un- untapped reservoir of, of just really fun stories. Um, but if you liked uh, this week's episode please be sure to follow along uh, with us on Twitter at shorthopspl. PL follow Brandon at BD riddle and myself at Noah, a. Scott six, uh, be sure to subscribe to us on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review. If you like, um, just a reminder, uh, we're back on the bi-weekly schedule. So we're dropping a new episode every two weeks. It comes out on Friday morning. So just keep an eye open for that. Or like I said, subscribe to us and you'll have it right in your feed when it comes out. So for Brandon riddle, Uh, I'm Noah Scott, and this has been the Short Hops and Tall Tales podcast. See you next time.